We'll look into short season fab strategy while hitting the sweet spot in our latest StackCast analysis. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have but, not had uh, three cold brews uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15. On The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Tuesday, July 7th. I'm Al Melkier and Michael Beller is here. And uh, Michael, it's uh, another news-packed day, so uh, we will just get right to things here. Um, Monday was uh, kind of a, a chaotic day, uh, maybe even you know by recent standards, because uh, there were teams that didn't have all of their testing results back. Um, so there are definitely some, some issues with COVID testing. We had another opt-out. Nick Markakis this time. Uh, we had good news on Aaron Nola and that he never actually did test positive for COVID. Uh, he just was exposed to somebody who had been, and he was back with the Phillies, um, throwing a bullpen session. So that's good news. And then less, uh, much less good news. Uh, Joey Gallo has uh, tested positive for COVID. Uh, this is just going to be, I think that the daily, uh, you know, typical of the, the daily updates uh, that we have here. So, Michael, on that note, I want to talk a bit about how we deal with all this uncertainty and a landscape that changes every single day here, uh, specifically in regard to FAB. Um, DVR and I talked about on the Monday episode the changes with pitching, with teams relying more and more on bulk relievers. Um, do you think it's a good idea maybe to hang back the first week or two and save the money uh, for maybe those middle weeks after we see how teams use their use their players and, and what strategies they use, or is the season really too short for that? Yeah, I tend to lean more toward the latter. I think I see the logic in waiting back and seeing how teams use their relievers and everything over the first couple of weeks, but think of everything that changes after those two weeks. First of all, uh, what, like uh, one-fifth of the season is gone after those first two weeks. So you're already uh, operating with that fact that you've you've let 20% of the season go before you've really dove into the fab pool whatsoever. Um, in that time period, we're going to be going from 30 down to 28 and then down to 26. So maybe team strategies and how they use pitchers will change as they lose players that are available on their active roster for that day and as pitchers get a little bit stronger, get a little bit more ready to go six, seven, eight innings rather than the couple of innings that they could only be ready for at the start of the season. So even though the logic is there for this, I don't know if it's going to be there fully in practice. I think I'm going to be really aggressive in fab because of the uncertainties of this season. And if I see a guy who I think is going to be able to make a big impact uh, come up right away, then boom, I'm going to be willing to spend on him quite lavishly uh, because the only thing that we're going to know, and I think this is true in a lot of seasons, but the only thing we're going to know this season is what we know that very day. And everything is going to change so much. And because of that, I'm just going to operate with the information I have available to me then. And when something inevitably changes, then I'll change the way I operate. But I don't think we can try to plan too far in ahead with respect to how we attack the fab situation this year. Is there anything else that you're thinking of doing in terms of roster construction uh, with any drafts that you have coming up, acknowledging that there could be changes for all kinds of reasons uh, throughout the shortened season? Uh, is there anything else that you're, you're looking to uh, basically kind of ensure yourself against all of that? Yeah, one thing I've thought about this year is building a more traditional pitching staff, traditional being how a Major League Baseball team 
built a pitching staff where I could see myself having, you know, five starters and six relievers or something along those lines rather than loading up on starters and just having a handful of closers. I could definitely see myself going with more of what a you would see from a real-life Major League Baseball team because of how aggressively flexible teams are going to want to be with their starters. Now, of course, there's a possibility that a handful of guys opt out over the next uh, couple of weeks. There are going to be guys who opt out, but I mean guys along the David Price line. That totally changed the way their team, in Price's case the Dodgers, are going to attack this season with their pitchers because now you slide Ross Stripling into the rotation uh, then he's not playing that bulk reliever or that piggyback role that maybe we thought he was going to play this season and it just changes how the Dodgers roster is shaped top to bottom maybe Dustin May is a little bit more of in the mix than we thought he was going to be even though we knew he was going to be a, a pretty big player for this team as well if we see more players like that come and, and say that they're not going to play this season teams are going to have to change we're going to have to change alongside that but knowing that I do think there's going to be more value this year in relievers than we have ever seen and because of that I could see myself changing the way I do things get a couple of reliable starters and then really try to lean on some of the better relievers in the league even the non-closing relievers I've thought of a different way to frame a similar question that I posed to, uh, to DVR. So you're talking about the overall increased importance of relievers. Now we've got pitchers that we're targeting because uh, they're candidates for saves. We've got the usual closers and waiting we're targeting uh because there are some situations that are maybe unstable uh, where somebody can step up. And then there's the, the bulk relievers who could wind up vulturing wins, putting up really great ratios, maybe even helping with strikeouts. How would you prioritize those three groups? The, the closers, the closers in waiting and the bulk relievers. Um, gosh, that's a good question. I think it still comes. I think it first and foremost comes down to talent over role. Um, so like a good example of this would be Ryan Presley. And I think he was a good example of this in any year. Like Ryan, give me Ryan Presley over closer number 22, right? Cause Ryan Presley is going to have a big role for the Astros. He's going to strike a lot of guys out. His ratios are going to be good. And maybe he's not getting you, uh, any saves, let alone, you know, five or 10. Maybe he's not getting you any saves at all, but he does so much in the other categories that I would rather have a Ryan Presley than uh, Giovanni Gallegos. And that's not an anti-Gallegos take. He's just the sort of closer who comes to mind when we're thinking of those, you know, back third closers uh, who uh, maybe have a good cold on their job, maybe need a strong start to keep their job. Uh, just really hard to trust those guys in any season, and I think even harder to trust them in a season like this. So for me, it comes down to talent more than anything. I'm just going to trust the best pitcher in that uh, equation without thinking about what their role necessarily is. The biggest change for me is that bulk relievers end up having a lot more value this year because of the way that they're going to be able to be used. Maybe some of them will get some starts. Certainly some of them are going to be pitching those four, five, six innings where they're going to vulture some wins. Um, and the good ones then are also going to give you some pretty strong ratios. So I more just bump them up in general rather than saying as a class, I prefer this version of reliever to that version of reliever. One group of players I do like as a class is Sweet Spot Leaders. We're going to talk about them and their laggards, brethren, in just a second here. But uh, first, you know, is there really any better way to get into an ad read for Manscaped than by talking about the Sweet Spot? Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full-body grooming game. They have forever changed the grooming game with their perfect package, 3.0. It's a kit that comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0 Waterproof Cordless Body Trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations e to round out your manscaping Routine. This is the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest shave. This third-generation trimmer features skin-safe technology 
to reduce manscaping accidents. Let's be honest, we probably all are in need of a chest shave at this point of the year. Uh, get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and not just one, two free gifts, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use code the Athletic. All right, we're going to get into some sweet spot laggards and leaders now. Uh, really quick, it's going to be just me, Michael Beller, taking this show home for the second half. A little bit of uh, technical difficulties uh, with Al Melchior. He'll be back with us, however, later this week. Don't worry about it, all you Al Melchior fans, of which I am proudly one of your members. Al will be back to some uh, computer issues uh, that will have me taking this home. We are going to talk sweet spot leaders and laggards here. Obviously, giving up hard hit contact is one of the worst things a pitchers can do. It's one of the few things a pitcher can control. You want to limit that hard contact and really induce as much soft contact as possible. You might not be surprised to find out that those pitchers who are among the sweet spot leaders, the meaning the ones who give up the least sweet spot contact as measured by StatCast, uh, have better BABIPs, have lower BABIPs, they have lower average hit distance. There is a positive correlation from sweet spot rate and BABIP and average hit distance. Surprisingly, no real meaningful correlation between sweet spot rate and home run to fly ball ratio, which uh, I would have guessed intuitively was not the case. I would have thought that the more sweet spots you give up, the more home runs you give up, uh, that has not been proven true over the last few years. But if we talk about that, some pitchers who are among those leaders, meaning they give up the lowest rate of sweet spot contact, then have low BABIP and low average hit distance. Some of the interesting names, at least. Ross Stripling, Sean Newcomb, Daniel Ponce de Leon, Dallas Keuchel, Marcus Stroman, and Rich Hill. At the opposite end of this list, guys who gave up a, quite a bit of sweet spot contact last year, Robbie Ray, Mitch Keller, Kevin Gausman, Archie Bradley, Rysel Iglesias, and Lucas Giolito. So uh, a few names to think about there. I'm going to pull out one from both sides of this discussion, one good and one bad. And I'm actually going to talk positively about both of those guys. The first one, uh, let's go with the good. Let's go with Ross Stripling. Uh, this is a guy who, if you've been listening to Fantasy Baseball in 15 or the Athletic Fantasy Baseball podcast, you know I am a huge fan of. I cannot say enough good things about Ross Stripling. I was so excited when it looked like he was going to get traded to the Angels and have himself a locked-up spot in a rotation. Of course, that didn't happen. But now, it does appear that he is going to have a locked up spot in rotation for a much different reason, for a reason that none of us want to be the case, but with David Price opting out of playing in the 2020 season, Ross Stripling slots right into that rotation for the Dodgers. Uh, this is a guy who has always been effective for the Los Angeles Dodgers, be it as a starter, be it as a high leverage reliever, be it as a bulk inning reliever. Always been a guy who has delivered in whatever role the Dodgers have asked of him. And I love the fact that he has been someone who has limited hard contact in his career. This wasn't just a 2019 trend for Ross Stripling. Uh, this is something he's done over his entire career. So now unleashing him full-time as a starter, being a sort of guy who's not going to give up a ton of sweet spot contact, makes me like him even more. I think Ross Stripling this year is a top 30 fantasy starting pitcher. He is someone who in the one draft I do have remaining that we were able to put off back in March, I will be going after him very aggressively. On the other side of this discussion, we have Lucas Giolito. And while I do think that you need to 
consider the fact that sweet spot contact is very bad and someone who's giving up a lot of sweet spot contact maybe got fortunate when they had the sort of year that Giolito did last season. I still think that ultimately, you know, what, what underlays all sort of pitching performance and really all performance, but pitching performance, I think, in, in a special way is underlied by that bottom line foundational talent. And Lucas Giolito has had that his entire career. This is a guy who uh, was a very high draft pick, had that first-round pedigree when the Nationals took him, uh, was the centerpiece of a deal that sent Adam Eaton to Washington for a reason, even after he had taken some steps back uh, as he was making his way up the ranks in Washington's farm system. And last year, to me, wasn't Giolito pitching over his head. Last year, to me, was Giolito realizing his full potential, especially as he started to work in uh, a few new pitches and a totally different pitch mix than we ever really saw from him in his career. So the fact that his name shows up on this list is a little bit concerning, but I am still not going to let that make me fade Lucas Giolito. He's the sort of guy who I think because of what his underlying talent is, because of the fact that he has a very respected pitching coach in Don Cooper, I think they're going to be able to attack what looks like a deficiency or what was a deficiency, uh, at least on paper for Giolito last season, and find ways to reverse that in this 2020 season and beyond. Again, I know this is a theme that I belabor probably at times, and you probably maybe get a little bit of sick of hearing it, but so much of pitcher performance does come down to two simple things. It comes down to underlying talent and the ability to command, especially your fastball, but really every pitch that you're going to lean on with any sort of of uh, of you know meaningful numbers. So the fact that we saw Giolito uh, do that last year, have that command in ways he had never had before previously in his professional career, and then also the talent that he has always had, going back to probably when he was I don't know ten or eleven years old, uh, tells me that he's the sort of guy who can get over this hump. Always going to trust talent over everything else, uh, especially on the mound. And that is going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. Be sure to check out our featured read, Prospects in the Pool, who you might see in 2020 and who's further away. This comes from our entire uh, athletic MLB beat writer staff, our Diamondbacks beat writer, Zach Buchanan, spearheaded the effort, but all of our beat writers uh, got in on the act, contributed some names of players who maybe we're going to get to see in 2020 and some who are going to have to wait until 2021 and beyond to see make their major league debuts. It's a very good piece for fantasy baseball owners, so be sure to check that out. If you are not an athletic subscriber, if you're listening to us on iTunes, Spotify first, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. We really would appreciate it. And also, if you want to subscribe to The Athletic as a whole, you can get 40% off if you go to theathletic.com slash baseball in 15 for the first year of your subscription. Uh, for Al Melchior, who is, again, dealing with some technical difficulties, so thanks for bearing with us. I am Michael Beller. That's going to do it for this episode, Fantasy Baseball in 15. We'll be back with you on Wednesday.